It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and joining me as always every week. I love it. Naomi Dolan from twinfo.com.au. Hey, Naomi. Hey, happy Monday. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. How was your weekend? Yeah, really good. Uh, the weather was just stunning. I mean, we had 27 degrees or something and yeah, it was it, perfect winter's day. <laughs> I know, it's, it's that time of year where they're sneaking a couple of warm ones in and you sort of get uh, that false sense of security that springs here. I know, we actually got given um, a couple bags of hand-me-downs, which I love getting, mm. uh, and we went through them and I almost thought, oh, I could probably take those out of her Alexis's drawer now and put these in. And then I thought, oh, hang on, it is it is still winter. Let's not jump the gun. <laughs> Don't go too early, Naomi, otherwise you're going to have to drag those trackies back out. I, I did exactly. actually do that Sunday afternoon. We, we had just one of those really nice, we rarely have them, but like a family arvo where we did absolutely nothing. Um, we made a couple of drinks in the backyard. We had water for the kids. We had a few snacks and we just spent time in the backyard and the kids were in shorts and T-shirts. I was like, this is awesome. No, that's good, isn't it? It's nice to do that. Oh, it's so good. And as I say, you rarely get the time these days, but we had such a wonderful afternoon. Yeah, you need to make more time for it. But then it's, uh, you know, life. Time. It's, What's it's that busy. word, Naomi? Time. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. Hey, look, we've got a big show coming up. Uh, we're going to tackle something that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, and that is uh, early intervention and NDIS and all of that sort of stuff. It can be a bit overwhelming. Yes, um, we haven't gone down the NDIS track, so I'm really looking forward to hearing because I suspect we will be. Uh, so I'll be looking forward to taking some notes on yours. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. So Nix, let's start with you. Why did you start looking into this? Like what was the first thing that sort of triggered that something wasn't quite right it's really interesting. So um, my boys are now three and a half years old and we've just gone down this process with, with one of them, not both of them. And when I rewind right from the word go, there were just little flags along the way where Hunter was not quite meeting milestones. Um both at the same time or the same way as Harrison was. And one of the things I struggled with really early on was people always saying to me, you've got twins, you're comparing, don't compare them. Um, And then I kept going back to the fact that these were milestones. They're still something that every child at six months, eight months, 12 months has to reach. And even on his corrected time, he was still sometimes failing to get there or, or get getting there in the right way and that sort of thing. So um, the first thing I did was I actually kept our paediatrician engaged. Um, so we went, you know, we had the six-month follow-up appointment with our paediatrician and he wasn't feeding very well. And so we just thought, oh, you know what, we might just come back in another six months. And it stayed that way. And, and what that did for me was reassure me that I wasn't the only person seeing some of these red flags because first up, as a multiple parent, the first thing everyone will say to you, and I'm sure you got this, Naomi, is don't compare them. It is hard. And particularly when you are a first-time mum, as both of us were, mm. we didn't, you know, it, it's hard to know what is right, what is normal, the the scale of normal, mm. where you sit on that, mm. and then having your sort of own little science experiment where you've got two 
two little people the same age in front of you, it is really difficult. Yeah, and I know many people that I, I came across who had kids that were like 18 months or two years apart were like, oh, by the time I got to the second one, I don't even remember what age the first one was sitting up or walking or taking solids or starting to talk or those sorts of things. And I would say, well, that's fine that you don't remember. You go back to the book. But uh, you know, I've got two next to each other and when one's not doing one thing and the other is, it yeah. does raise those little red flags. And as I said, we never jumped on anything too quickly, but we always just kept it in the back of our minds um, that there were little things that weren't quite right. And as I said, the big thing that I did was I kept my paediatrician engaged every six months so I could get that voice of reason. Yeah, because sometimes it is hard, isn't it? Being a first-time mum, mum to yeah, multiples it is. and everything. Yeah, What were some of those red flags? Um, just a little thing. Well, we went through a really tough stage when Hunter was nearly 18 months. He was about 15 months and he got um, really bad pneumonia and he ended up in hospital and he just became withdrawn, completely withdrawn. He wouldn't make eye contact. Mm. He wouldn't eat. He stopped eating completely and he went down to just milk and for about three months the only things I could get him to consume were milk um, and eventually up and goes. Um, oh, wow. And it took me, uh, even now we have huge sensory issues around food, um, but mm-hmm. he, he'd gone from eating vegetables and purees and stuff like that, you know, I, I exposed them to everything and he basically just shut down. He wouldn't play a lot. He wouldn't engage. He wasn't engaging with his brother and, you know, we thought he was quite uh, there were there were some strong flags that he was, uh, you know, on the spectrum and all these sorts of things, but it was also too early. So it's, it was really hard. I remember sitting there some nights crying, going, I, I don't know if I'm overreading this. I'm getting emotional talking about it, but, um, you know, am I reading too hard into this? Will he just grow out of it? You know, is this something that he's not going to learn to engage, those sorts of things? But then he'd have these pockets of time where his behaviour was just beautiful um, so we knew that there was there was a lot to him and we did just have to wait and I think that was the hardest thing for me was waiting. Um, it is hard. I agree. The waiting for anything yeah. for us. I'm not, I'm not a very patient person. No, me neither. Um, which, which doesn't help the situation. <laughs> no. But I'm like, okay, there's something going on here. Let's find out what it is. Yeah. I don't want to just wait and see. Yeah, and I want to know. Yeah, I want to know how thing. it's going to affect our life, how we can help. What do we need to do to deal with this next little, you know, roadblock. I'm exactly the same and and that was the hardest thing for me. And, you know, my brain would be one of those that would go down really too far in the distance and I had to keep pulling myself down going exactly that, like, what if we can't ever go travelling? What if we can't do this? What if we can't do this? What if he doesn't talk? What if he doesn't interact with his brother and they don't have a relationship? And I... I think the most important thing, and it's the hardest thing to do if you notice such a big difference, because I think with multiples, you want your kids to bond. And at yeah. 18 months, my kids were still two very different. You know, there was an occasional laugh between the two of them, but Harry very much wanted to engage with his brother much more than his brother wanted to engage with him. And that was oh, that hard. Would also it was break hard. your heart because yeah. everyone always posts all these cute videos of their, you know, their twins or triplets or something giggling together and smiling. Those those things go viral because everyone yeah. loves seeing it. And again, we would have the occasional pocket of it, but we'd have a lot of distant time. So there were just these little red flags, and I kept having people say to me, "You're just jumping to conclusions. You're overanalyzing things." And to a certain extent, I probably was, but then I also had to re- be real about it and say. Well, yeah, but if there are any issues, 
I want to get that early inv- intervention and make sure mm. that I can get as much support as I need. And I think you went through a similar thing because um, I know you, you've said around speech and, and physio and stuff. So you must have noticed some differences with your twins Absolutely. too. Absolutely. And again, for us, it was really, it was, it was very obvious from the start. Now, um, we've got um, both of our children slightly different things happening but Mm. from six months you could just tell like Alexis was sitting up and doing all of the things that she should do at at six months. Oliver couldn't he just couldn't he could not stay sitting up he couldn't lift himself up and his head was just enormous Mm. and so he had this really heavy head that he was trying to control um, but he was very floppy Mm. so I mean from Several weeks corrected old, Lexi was bearing weight on her legs and she would push at things and all of that kind of stuff. Um, Ollie was just really floppy. And I guess um, even though I literally I had no idea what I was doing, we ended up at a pediatric physio and she was like, okay, yes, you know, he's got very low muscle tone and all of this kind of stuff. You need to start doing all of these exercises with him and all of this and I was thinking, my gosh, he's you know he's six months old, yeah. four and a half months corrected or something. How do we? How do I do? Get a kid to do exercises? Mm. And whereas Alexis was just so strong, um, so for us it was quite evident that mm. there was a difference. Um, and then the same with the speech. Uh, I noticed straight away Alexis just had one sound really that mm. she just did in different volumes depending yep. on what yep. she was trying to convey mm-hmm. whereas Oliver did the whole goo gah bing bang you know made all of the mm sounds and all yeah. of that that yeah. babies do yeah but everyone kept saying to me oh no you know she's only this she's only that um mm. and I remember just even at 18 months I still got the piece of paper I wrote down over a week every different word that they could say mm. and Alexis had about 25 or something and Oliver had over 200 mm, Yeah, and they were very yeah. clear so there was something going on and we eventually did get to a speech therapist and she was like oh it's a bit early and then I sort of showed her everything that I had done and mm. recorded and she agreed yep there was definitely something going on and it does turn out that then Alexis was later on um, diagnosed with a severe phonological speech disorder yeah Goodness. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's that mother's instinct, isn't it? It's 100% that. And I think, I, and I want to get the message across to any parent who's out there of multiples and you're looking at some differences. It's okay to see those differences and it's okay to acknowledge them because the one thing over the last three and a half years that has broken my heart is every time somebody says, you're being fussy or they get there in their own time or, you know, oh, he'll get there, he'll be right. Because yes, he may, but he may not. And I I think that's one of the most important things. If you and your gut feel like there's some red flags that you're not happy with, talk to somebody, go and see someone about it. And it is hard. That's the hardest process. Like we were so lucky that we kept our pediatrician engaged because it meant that when we went to try and find the help and the support, he was able to guide us in what we need. But, you know, I've spoken to so many people and resources are so (sighs) – overfilled, you know, it's so hard to get into speech therapists. I mean, we've been going on for this now. Really, our red flags you became very apparent around 18 months. Um, Hunter's gross motor skills are fantastic. like, And that's one of the things that we find hardest is that people look at him when he's out as a little kid and he's running and he can kick a ball and his gross motor skills are brilliant, but his fine motor skills are lacking. He's got sensory issues and his speech is severely delayed as well. Um, 
but w- I stayed on it and it just, as you said, it was my gut instinct. And I want to say to any parents out there, if you feel it in your heart, if you think it's not a hundred percent, pursue it. Yeah, because I agree. Early intervention, like my son has gone from, as you said, you know, stringing a couple of bubbly sounds. He didn't say mummy as a word until he was three. So that's only six months ago. And I bawled my eyes out when he finally said it. I remember I did a post on Facebook. I'm like, my son just said, mummy, he'd say ma and he'd say ma and he'd say things around it. But mummy was something that has taken him till three to get. And so it it was the most amazing moment for me because I was like, wow. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he's now, we've had early intervention. We've been in speech now for about four or five months and I've been working with him with sensory things for since yeah for almost a year now and in his own bubbly language and his his clarity is very bad and his you know vocabulary is very delayed and stuff like that but he's starting to string sentences together now which is you know we've come miles and that's because we were onto it um you know what I mean do you make sure that you celebrate those milestones Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like there's sometimes when, I mean, he and, uh, uh, to, to go back, because obviously we went through a stage where he was withdrawn from his brother. Um, and then this was actually the driving force to me stepping down from my full-time job. So I was a full-time breakfast radio announcer. Um, we, we had some moves with work and everything. And we used to have an au pair that was with our boys. And the boys were really happy when they were babies. But just bit by bit, the last six months, so from two and a half to three before I quit work um, was really the hardest time for us because Hunter was, again, he was withdrawing. He was being very difficult. There were so many tantrums and tantrums that were just uncontrollable. Um, And it was just so much for us to deal with. And eventually at two and a half, we had the next follow-up appointment with the pediatrician. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I I think we're dealing with more than, by then we knew we were dealing with a speech delay. Like yourselves, we went at, at two, we were we were told it was speech. And then by two and a half, the pediatrician was like, look, I think we're dealing with more than that because we have these sensory issues around um, mm. touching things, holding things. And again, he's not extreme, but they were just enough that they were making him not cope with life. He Hunter has yeah. 10 foods that he will eat. And again, that's one of these things that people say all the time to me. They're like, oh, don't worry. He'll end up eating everything. It's fine. But for me on a day-to-day basis, I can take Harrison everywhere. And okay, he's a fussy three-and-a-half-year-old. But I actually have to have one of 10 food groups with me or Hunter will not eat. And by will not eat, I mean he just can't put anything in his mouth. I still oh, have to self feed him hard. most of his food because he's not very good at eating, a, holding a spoon, and and self and self feeding. So, you know, we got to two and a half, and these things were again we weren't progressing at the same pace as a child probably should. And that's when our our doctor gave us an overarching diagnosis of global developmental delay. Now, to explain what that is, it's um, when a child is not reaching their milestones as expected in one or more categories. So we have speech, we have sensory, and we have food, and we also have sleep issues with him as well. So he has sleep anxiety. And so that sort of was was an incredibly overwhelming moment. But at the same time, it was... It was verification, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was verification so much- that somebody else, the professional, saw what I was seeing. Yeah. I remember that feeling when we finally got a diagnosis and it was almost like a validation that I yeah. was right and yeah. that what I had been fighting for for the last little while, because we had a long period as well, um, of waiting for that official diagnosis mm. and 
it's a sense of, of sadness, mm, definitely yeah. a sense of sadness because it's, it's, it's official now. Yeah. yeah. But it's also a sense of relief that there is something and that now maybe that we can move towards somehow helping and, and seeing what we can do to, um, you know, get stronger, sort the speech out, sort yeah. the sensory issues out, whatever. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. Absolutely. Mm. And that's it. As you said, it's, it's that ability to go, okay, now I know that there, there are some things that may value and help. And, I mean, we've been we've been on waiting lists for months and months and months and it's an incredibly draining process because you know as a parent and I'm sure you would have been exactly the same with the physio and the speech um you just want to get things fixed straight away it's like okay what can I do tomorrow absolutely okay well we've put all the referrals in and then they call you or send you a letter and say you're on our waiting list Um, you know we'll call you when you're top of the list and you're thinking but I want to I want to get my son in today um and that's that's one of the most heartbreaking things is that you know the way everything works at the moment um if you don't actually get on top of it yeah well I mean we've Mm. we got Hunter's initial referrals at two and a half we're three and a half and I'll I'll get to it a little bit later in our wins but we're literally only getting to our OT now wow yeah that's 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 a long time and you just know that their little brains are so active at this period this is where you need to be doing what you can do so they're little sponges yeah and yeah, and I think also, and I'm sure you would have found the same with yourself. You want to be able to find the resources yourself as a parent to help, and that's one of the things that I've struggled with the most. Is um, Hunter has these enormous meltdowns, and they're different. You know, every three and a half year old throws a tantrum, and again, they're the comments that you often get. Oh, he's just being a three and a half year old, but he can't pull mm. himself back from that tantrum, and the slightest changes will trigger him. Like you might move something on his plate, and he will just lose it epically or um, you might pick up his shoes because you're in a rush um, we had to, we've had to do um, card visual therapy with him when his speech was really bad because um, we found that just getting in the car getting dressed getting in the car and going somewhere was too many activities he didn't understand he can't process what's going on and so mm. we've had a we've had to have structures where we'd have visual cue cards out for him which would show a person getting dressed or someone brushing their teeth and we'd talk through each four of these activities to prepare him for everything that was going. Now, in the space of nearly 12 months, he's come so far with that that I almost hardly use them anymore. But these are the the tools that parents need to have to help them get through those stages for kids that might not be understanding or comprehending or able to process um, things that other parents – and I've only learnt this week that with Hunter – it's more about learned behaviour. I mean, when I try and discipline him, he does not understand. If I try and give him a timeout and say to him, you're wrong, Harrison will sit there and, and eventually say, I'm sorry, mummy. Hunter will actually laugh at me. That's hard. Yeah, that's like, difficult, isn't it? How do you discipline a child? And going through now with the OTs, they're talking about how it's, it's learned behaviour. It's, it's interesting, but it's just so important that parents as well – are able to learn the tools. That's the thing that I've needed to learn is the tools of how I teach him because his, his brain process stuff completely different to his twin brother. That's for sure. And how does Harrison cope with all of that? Uh, this is a really good question. We've actually just gone through a phase in the last six weeks where Harrison has been throwing some ridiculous tantrums just mimicking his brother and we realised yeah. that um, – 
he's been seeking attention and so we've had mm. to find different ways to um, praise Harry and make sure that he keeps developing because and I think this is the hardest thing for families of multiples is yes your kids grow differently but like I, I remember the day I, I resigned from work I said the most important thing for me right now sorry is to get my mm-hmm. kids together at school at the same page because yeah. they will never be in different classes, different years. So, you know, the damage yeah. it could emotionally do to Hunter if we had to hold him back because he's not he's not severe, he's not off the chart, but he's got enough that we have to focus on it. Um, and there is such a big difference between he and his brother. Right from the word go, I was like, well, these kids aren't 18 months ago, uh, 18 months apart. I can't put one in year one and one in year two. <laughs> They're twins. Yeah. They're always going to share I think the that's same a birthday. big thing, isn't it? Uh-huh. That's a, I know. I know. I, obviously, going through school ourselves, um, and we were thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Um, we did end up keeping both of them back. Um, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it gave Alexis a lot more time to catch up on her speech. It gave mm. Oliver some time to get stronger um, and to do a bit more OT work and everything like that. Mm. And I look at it now and I think, my gosh, if we had have sent them the year before, we would have been facing so many more problems. But I had friends at the time with multiples um, who were facing the situation that you're talking about now, but she was seriously thinking she was going to have to hold one back Mm. and she really struggled with that decision. Yeah, we've actually already made our decision, even though our boys aren't even four yet, Um, but we've already decided because our boys are born in January, so it's that difficult time. Um, And we decided to hold them back and I remember having a huge sort of, you know, debate with my mum about it. And she's like, well, what if Harrison gets bored? And we thought, well, we can always find ways of helping Harry, um, you know, learn different things and, and divert stuff. And, and he's also quite a shy boy. So I think socially it will help him. Um, mm. But, you know, and it's also going to help him grow at the same time where we started. While he struggles at time, he's also the first person that understands Hunter. You know, they do yes. have that twin bond. And obviously now, you know, where we had our concerns 18 months ago, they weren't interacting in their own way. They've got there because Harrison's communication with Hunter is so much better than any of ours. Um, and they are little we buddies the same, now. Mm, we had exactly the same. We'd actually made the decision when they were uh, only several months old that we were going to keep them back. Mm. And this was before we knew anything was going on. Yeah. Isn't that um, you just so, know. Yeah, and then we had the same situation. Um, Oliver could understand everything that Alexis was saying, but no one else could. And I had to be really firm, though, with um, the kindy and things like that to sort of say, okay, you can only ask him to interpret if she's actually crying and hurt and upset or something like that. But if it's just you're trying to work out that she wants the red pen, not the green pen, then you'll just need to persevere with that. You can't go and interrupt mm. Oliver to come over and interpret for yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, that's such a, a, a good point. I mean, even mm. sometimes now I do it, but again, I try not to do it with Harrison, but I went through a stage where sometimes Hunter would be so overwhelmed. I'd say, Harry, do you know what he wants? Oh yeah, mommy, he wants a biscuit or he wants this or whatever. And I'd be like, okay. Um, but I, I didn't want to put that responsibility on Harry I, I agree. as well. Yeah. Um, that was a big thing for me. And so it's sort of been about, in, you know, working all together. Like I fi- feel like the four of us are working together on it. And I'm sure you would have felt the same. Absolutely. And it's going to be an ongoing process. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking a lot more about this because this is a really big topic. And with both of us having something that's not quite right and, 
learning how to deal with it has mm. been a, a massive, massive challenge for mm. us. Um, and I think we're slowly getting there. But for us, it's going to be a lifelong thing. So yeah. as soon mm. as we get the hang of one thing, you know, and, yeah. and think, yeah, we've got this nailed, then, you know, like all aspects of parenting, it changes. Yeah, <laughs> and you find the next challenge from it. And you're right, it's something you have to grow. But I think one of the important things is that, uh, I think also in the multiples we see so many challenges um, with different babies. It's it's important not to compare what your child and what you you're going through um, with other people because again I would always say to myself, well, he's not as extreme. Am I being too fussy? Am I making too much of a big deal? But at the end of the day, my early intervention will hopefully get him to school with the right support with his brother, and that's all I can focus on. Do you know what and I mean? And that's all you want, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's also the same, even if you are lucky enough to live in an area where you can attend multiple birth play groups and things like that. Mm. It's again, you can't compare what's happening around the mat as your children are all lying there because particularly with multiples, the um, possibility that, what, that they were born quite prematurely and then you've got other people that have made it to you know almost full term and things like that. So obviously everyone's hitting milestones at just a completely different time. And I find one thing that we've the multiple birth community, that they are very, um, everyone's aware of that mm. and there is just no judgment. It's yeah, great. 100%. Uh, that is such a good advice because you're right, we end up comparing too much at times. Um, just quickly because I know I we've spoken so, so much about this, um, I just want to say to anybody who's going out there, and we will talk a little bit more about it as we go down the track, as you said, it will come up a lot. Um, but if you do have any hesitations, go see your GP if you don't have a doctor Um try and get into a local community health because the more you can get involved with NDIS, so the NDIS thing that we've just done, we've done our applications to try and get funding for OT and speech. Um, And if we can get that, they now have a system where children, I think it's under six, um, if they have a speech delay or an OT, they're more likely to get funding because they have recognised that um, early intervention is so key. So if your children are under six and you do have any concerns, you're not already engaged with health providers, do do it because you've got a better chance of getting some funding to help you get that early intervention support. And then if they still do need it after six, you're in a better position because you're already in the system. Mm, that's brilliant advice. And I'm sure that over the time, um, we're going to learn a lot more about that from you because you're already, you're already doing this journey. We've, I'm facing the problem where my children are over six. Um, so it's just so much harder, which is what has kind of stalled me on starting the process, shall we say. Yeah. And I, I think it's important. Hopefully we'll, you know, go follow your journey as well and see, you know, if you need it and how you go about it going to be a long one I think but that's okay we're going to be in this together and we're going to be sharing our journey with our listeners. We will indeed and look we want your thoughts are you going through something um, you know what's going on with you do you need any advice from us I'll leave your comments on our Facebook page. At Talking Twins and More a multiple birth podcast. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. Well, that was a little bit heavy. Sorry, Naomi. I did a lot of talking then. <laughs> That's. I think that we learnt so much, though, and you know the information that you've passed on to our families is just going to be worth it. Well, let's do something a little bit more lighthearted now. As always, let's talk about some wins and losses of the week. Well, my win definitely. We had a huge weekend. We had three birthday parties. Whoa! <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So we had. Um, 
Saturday morning was taken up with sports and everything. And then Saturday afternoon was um, a two-hour roller skating party. Wow. Um, yeah. And then Saturday morning was a two-hour trampolining party. And then Saturday, uh, sorry, Sunday morning was a two-hour trampolining party. Sunday afternoon was uh, one of the mums from school. It was actually her birthday and she had missed out on her 30th a couple of years prior. So she had a belated 30th. Um, and she just had it in the park with the teepee and everything, and it was just beautiful. Oh. And we survived four, oh, oh, wow. three parties. Are you exhausted? I am, yes. I can tell you. I certainly am exhausted. What about you? What was your win? My win this week was, uh, well, well, actually off the back of what we've just been talking about, uh, we've waited eight months, but we finally got our full OT assessment for Hunter this week. So that was enormous. And it was, um, you, I was so happy to do it because it, it highlighted the strengths in his gross motor skills. It showed the weaknesses of where, where we need to work in the fine motor skills, but it was just such a sense of satisfaction uh, to take that next step forward. Oh, that's brilliant. And when do you get the report? Uh, we get the report in a couple of weeks, but we've also start on a sensory program next week for eight weeks that's going to help him with some of those fine motor skills and, and overcoming some of those sensory issues. So I'm really excited that we're doing this program because I think it's going to help him a lot. Oh, that's a great win then. And what about your fail, Nikki? What was your fail for the week? So we've been doing a lot of back and forth between uh, family at the moment and on Saturdays, I tend to work and Chris usually has the boys and he decided he wanted to take them out for like a fun dad day as you do. There was like the rugby was on, his brother was playing, and there was jumping castles and stuff and he texts me and I'm at work on air and I just get a text message that says, do the boys have shoes? And I'm like, oh no. yes, the boys have shoes. I'm like, of course I put shoes in. And he's like, okay, I, I can find a pair but I'm fairly sure we don't have two. And I just failed to do that checklist of two sets of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sent one kid off for the day with a pair of shoes and the other one, no shoes for the whole day. Oh, no. <laughs> just failed to count. Just lost it. So this poor kid was walking around uh, as like the bogan child with no shoes on. <laughs> You could have done just given them one each. My kids have done that before. <laughs> there you go. That's a good idea. I'll do that next time. Oh, that's hilarious. Isn't what about it? you? What was your loss this fail this week? Oh, it was. We had a really bad school drop off one morning. Um, oh. Yeah, the the kids aren't really enjoying school this year. Uh, we'll go into more of that in another episode. But um, yeah, anxiety sort of picking up significantly and mm. we had the one where the teacher had to actually peel Alexis off me with her absolutely howling and screaming and mm. she kind of just goes, off you go, mum, and gives me a push away and has to, oh, it just breaks my heart and I just have to walk away. I can't look back because I'm just going to burst into tears. Oh, I'm going to burst into tears just talking about uh, it. I mean, that is the hardest thing, isn't it? It is. I just want them to be happy. Oh, I am dreading that time already. Mm. I mean, it's just so difficult. I can only imagine how hard it is when they're like that because you just want to hold them and hold on to them yeah. when they feel like that. Absolutely. Well, it's you're, horrible. You're a very anyway. brave mama for getting through it. 
Absolutely. Anyway, what can we look forward to next week, Nikki? Next week, we're going to talk about the second trimester and more. We've spoken a lot about different health issues we face in the first trimester. We're going to tackle the second and more, uh, if any of us made it past the second. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I know I've got a couple of stories that I'm looking forward to sharing. Fantastic. Now, don't forget to leave your wins and your losses on our Facebook page. Um, And don't forget, you can also grab the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give it a rating. If you liked it, we'll be back next week. It's been awesome, Naomi. Looking forward to talking to you. Bye. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com.